Hey everybody and welcome to another episode of The Roost Podcast. As always, I am Carter Spires with my co-host Matthew Bartlett, the founder and managing editor of The Roost, your premier source for Rice Sports news and analysis. Um, It's game week, y'all. We, we have a real-life Rice football game scheduled to happen this Saturday at Rice Stadium. Those words came out of your mouth, right? I'm going to pinch myself. I almost said that is a real thing that is going to happen, but in this season, uh, saying <laughs> going to happen is uh, sounds like some some deeply a deeply cursed thing to say. So I'm I'm not going to go that far. But currently scheduled to happen in uh, five days as of recording, two days from when you'll hear this. So uh, yeah, yeah, that's that's pretty exciting. I did I had to go this weekend, and I, I went. You can go ahead and 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 find it up on the site. I went ahead and, and grabbed all of the cancellations impacting Conference USA schools. Just I don't know why that seemed like a good idea to do at the time, but it, it, it did. And uh, Rice so far, I guess technically if you, you you count the Marshall and UAB postponements because that was after the regular season had begun. Um, so tomato, tomato, count those or not. Uh, Charlotte and FAU are the only schools too far to, so far to have postponed than played but we did have a i think utep southern miss was a friday postponement last week and then uh who else got postponed charlotte and fiu i think Mm -hmm. that was i don't know if that was friday or thursday one of the two so (laughs) we need to make it and even in my write-up i put it together friday night at like 10 11 p.m and i included as a caveat uh, assuming all the games played on scheduled to play on saturday are played on Saturday <laughs> at midnight the night before. So yeah, we'll get there. If if you uh, if you go to the go to the to the website at theroost.com and go ahead and just click on football and you'll just find all of our football articles really there. Nice, simple, and easy. Uh, another thing I wanted to hit on: we are big thank you so far to everybody who has subscribed so far. We're up to eighty one patrons before the season has kicked off in the middle of a pandemic, which. Uh, I'm certainly grateful for, and uh, I think we could get to 100 soon. That would be fantastic and a great way to start things on a uh, a good note. And that's the uh, positive news. <laughs> As always, <laughs> rate, review, and subscribe, and tell us your favorite memory of of the off season. <laughs> you could go this, any direction. This you long, want. long off season. Hey, and you know it, we we get more just five star reviews than comments and we will take either i'll just say that but yeah if you want no we're not picky it, the chances of you getting it read on here are pretty good because we appreciate you guys and i guess the only other news piece is we have a new date for the championship game surprise wiggle room conference usa late but we're here so that game was originally scheduled for December the 5th, it's now going to be played on December the 18th. That is a Friday. I'm assuming that's to fit in with television win. But either way, that gives Rice and everybody else officially two weeks of wiggle room on the end of their schedule as is at time of recording. That could change, but to tack on some games at the end. So that probably means, hopefully, we're getting the UAB game on there and then... I don't know what's going to happen December 12th, but I would I feel pretty confident in saying the UAB game is probably going to be penciled in the 5th. 
assuming, you know, we don't lose anything else. And I would certainly rather play UAB at the end of Rice's season when you've had a full season to get better than at the beginning. So I'm not going to complain about that. Yeah, it works out. <laughs> and I, you know, for all the people that are th- Rice is canceling games against their tough opponents, I'm like, well, if you paid attention to Rice the University, <laughs> you've known the university doesn't really care. Yeah, no. playing in football. They just want it to be done safely, which so far. Oh, and as of time of recording, this is important. Rice is COVID free. They had yeah, a, a couple of players in contact tracing uh, what I guess their last scrimmage. So a week, a week or so or a week ago or so. And everybody is out of those protocols and back to football. So on that front, great success. Yeah, um, if you are listening to this and the game has not been canceled, uh, I think we'll feel pretty good about it at that point. Uh, Thursday is not... There have definitely been games games canceled after that, but, you know, you're getting close at that point. And I'm going to knock on wood here real quick, but I feel fairly confident that if there is a postponement for this game, which, dear God, after all this, please no, but, like... If there is one, I feel fairly confident that it will not be on Rice's end. Yeah, and we've seen we've seen kind of rumblings at Louisiana Tech after the hurricane. Southern Miss this past week. FAU has had a couple games canceled. Uh, Charlotte, North Texas. From from my feeble memory at that point, it, it, a lot of things have been kind of put in the works that, you know, there's been some covid issues and, and things are being worked through. I, I don't see this as a situation where we're going to get to Friday and Rice is going to say, hey, we we have too many covid cases can't go like I don't I don't think we're we're in danger of that happening. Right. Knock on wood, as you said. But, you know, that's where we are. That's the off field news. <laughs> well, the covid news, I guess we do. We thought maybe at the end of the extended offseason we would get past that, but we have we have not. It is still the COVID portion nope. of the pod. But we do have specific Rice news, of course, including uh, the team captains being named for this year. That yes. includes Blaze Aldridge, Garrett Grammer, Austin Trammell, Jordan Myers, and Campbell Riddle, the best long snapper in CUSA. Per Jack Fox, the best punter in the NFL. <laughs> Feels like that should carry some weight. One more thing. Yeah. So I was my 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 quick. We don't have to spend too much time on this. My kind of quick thoughts were uh, earlier in the offseason. I think I might have said it on the pod. I'm like, Garrett Grammer needs to be a captain for for how much he does for this team. And I don't know if you can straight up put a linebacker as your special teams captain, uh, but he he is a captain. And, and I like the nod to, to Campbell Riddle. I mm-hmm. I'm trying to think of the last long snapper of any team that I have either either covered or, or or been a spectator for that has been a captain. Not many long snapper, long snapper, long snapper captains that I know of. So kudos to him. And those are the five. (laughs) Uh, The other, another fun tidbit we have is that, um, so it's very hard. these pages are still live, but you don't seem to be able to navigate to them directly from ESPN's website in their college football whole area. Uh, I know it used to be like if you went to a team and clicked on schedule, 
there was like an FPI page on the schedule that you could click on. It would bring you to this page. But for whatever reason, you can't do that anymore anyway. But if you search your team and then F, you'll be able to find an individual page for it where it'll have all their games uh, and then the opponent's FPI rating and rank and uh, project projected win percentage for your team against their schedule. Well, uh, if you go to your, your Google machine right now and you type in Rice Football FPI and you click on that page, uh, you know how many of those games Rice Ooh, is currently me, favored in, according to guess. FBI? There's six on the schedule? Yeah. I'm going to cheat. I've seen this. I'm going to say six. It is all of them, in fact. All six. Which, uh, I don't believe that FBI factors in... Uh, the current state of the depth chart. So perhaps even we would be, we would go so far as to say that that might be a little, a little bullish, but Hey, I'll take it. Yeah. I mean, certainly, you know, we all talked about, I, I think the theme of our off season was like cautious optimism of like, this team should be pretty good. We think probably, but like, let's not get ahead of ourselves. And actually, since I, I we went ahead and and I th I put this up last week, I think Carter, you you posted it on on Twitter as well. Which if you're not following the Roosts or Carter, both of us on on Twitter, th <laughs> that you should you should do that at the Roost on on Twitter. And I've probably retweeted Carter within the past week or so. So that's easy. Yeah, at J Carter Spires. There you go. Follow both of us. But since we've since we've tweeted it, actually, the the odds have gone up. So without yeah. playing a game, Rice, you know, hold on to your butts. Rice is now, per FPI, has a 90.2% chance of beating Middle Tennessee. Yeah, which is really interesting because if you go to um, the other notable statistical ranking system that is also now under the umbrella of ESPN, which is a very odd situation, but uh, in SP+, Currently, Rice is 118th, and MTSU is 102nd. So, not factoring in home field, SP has MTSU as a 7-point favorite, or a 6.8-point favorite. Whereas, uh, if I'm looking at this right, FBI on a neutral field would have Rice as a 14-point favorite. So, that is a very interesting... The two systems wow. almost have been swapped. Rice is 97th in FPI and 123rd, or and MTSU is 123rd. In SP, Rice is 118th and MTSU is 102nd, which is a very interesting. Like, normally the two are in rough agreement because ultimately they try to kind of measure the same things. Um, but there are always there's always a team here and a team there that they just have massive disagreements about. And right now, Rice is one of those teams because that's a that's a pretty stark difference. Yeah, well, as as you can imagine, at this point, well, I'd say we've seen more of, but like FAU still only played one game, even though they've been yeah. trying to. So I, I I would say for most of the country that is not the Big Ten, you know, we've seen two or three, four, five games and have a kind of a good feel right now. All, all the computers would have to know about Rice is they figured something out last year and they have a quarterback that was, you know, fairly highly regarded coming in, all things considered, which that would seem to be a good combination. 
and I hereby choose to subscribe to whatever rating system and computer favors me at the moment. <laughs> That's yeah. how we do this, right? Yeah, I mean, so right now FBI has is the one that has rice much higher, and uh, uh, my good friend Mitch is works in ESPN analytics and has done a lot of work on FBI. So, um, you know, between those two things, I'm, I think I'm gonna have to side with them over Bill. Sorry, Bill. Yeah. Uh, although, if you want to come on the pod and and defend yourself in your rankings, we we do that. Yeah, yeah, we love it. <laughs> That's absolutely okay. And then the only other thing I wanted to point out. Since we've decided that uh, FPI is better for for this individual <laughs> snippet of time, uh, the SP not S and P but the SP plus is uh, is great too. Uh, I I thought this was with is interesting. So of course these projections you can pull them all together and and aggregate them and that's just math and math is fun because this is a rice prod podcast and we have to stay on brand but uh, i thought this was interesting rice's chance of winning out per fpi so winning the six games on their schedule right now 7.4 percent which seven percent doesn't sound like that big of a number but we are talking about a team that won five games over the past two seasons so to tell me that there's a seven percent chance that they win six that's, that's pretty, pretty good. incredible. Yeah. I mean, it currently has their projected win loss record. And, and the way that this is going to work in a system like this is, is that's really just adding win probabilities, essentially. So you're, you know, if you're 90 percent to win a game like it has rice against MTSU, that's going to be 0.9 wins. And then you're going to add 0. 0.6, 0. 0.7, whatever. Uh, but current projected win loss record, it has it 4.3 and 1.8. Uh, and that's just that's the reason that adds it to six, to more than six is because of rounding. But so basically, uh, FPI thinks Rice is going to win about two thirds of these games, which I'd be happy with. Yeah, sign me up. All things considered, <laughs> but <laughs> there's always a but. Um, I think the other Rice notable we got to get to. So Rice has also released their. First official depth chart of the season, and I went ahead. That that's up on the site with some uh, extra goodies and, and takeaways in there for for subscribers as well. But we're going to kind of talk through some of it right now on the podcast. The first official depth chart, and something that FPI doesn't capture, which we alluded to, is injuries. So I don't know where which position group we want to start with, but the kind of the the damper on the all the positive things that we've gotten from this offseason is for playing your first game, Rice is really, really, really beat up. Yeah. It's it's unfortunate that you're you're starting your season halfway through and the team you're about to play has already played six games and you're the more beat up of the two is not great. Um I think the like there's a couple of interesting things here like Jager Bowl is listed as the starting fullback. Um, which is not like, you know, there's a lot of overlap between fullback and a blocking tight end, especially an H-back role in modern offenses. So that's not a huge surprise that they've moved him over if if they're not generally healthy at the position. And obviously we we haven't seen Brendan Suckley out. And um, I think Brian Hibbert was out last week, right? So not surprising to see that. And then the wide receiver chart is pretty thin, which I think we knew coming in. Um the secondary think, is the thing that draws your attention. And 
we've known that the, the two expected starters have been out for a while. So it's not a shock to see Prudy and Kirk Lockhart at those positions. I think you feel okay about like, not, not good, but not horrid about that. Cause we know we've, you know, we talked about Prudy has starting experience and the staff likes Kirk a lot. So, so you feel okay about that, but um, at cornerback, you know, we were panicking all off season about the depth there. And, um, and I the think one what, saving grace what, the whole time we were like, well, at least they have Trayshawn, and he's not on there. Well, I think what happened is if you if you go back in time, and yeah, we will get to Trayshawn Devones missing from the first depth chart. That is that is cause for concern. Uh, but in the defensive preview podcast that we did, and I think at this point it would have been three weeks ago, four weeks ago. Yeah, it was somewhere around there. So. Basically, we did it right right at the beginning of, of fall camp or, or right before fall camp began. And what we said, and that was when Tyree Thornton was still on the roster and Trayshawn Devones was on the roster. And at that point, we said, man, you know, if Rice has an injury, we could be in trouble. And so, yeah, we, as we mentioned, Trayshawn Devones not on the starting depth chart. He's been out there during fall camp and, and has had had a good camp, looked pretty good. They've been one of their more solid guys on the outside. Of course, you know, the receivers, you know, been he's been matched up against a, a lot of freshmen and walk-on guys, so that helps make you look good. <laughs> but he's been solid. Uh, so I don't I don't know if anything has cropped up. That'll be something. But a, as the the week goes on, we'll have more injury reports that are we'll keep those up for for subscribers so you guys know we the after the podcast drops we'll make sure you know who's most likely to to be in or not come Saturday so I don't I don't know if he's going to be available but my gut says that from what I've seen from this coaching staff so far if a guy has a a chance to play a pretty good chance to play they'll put him on the depth chart and just not play him so the fact that he's not on there at all that's kind of concerning so we already mentioned no Tyree Thornton. Andrew Bird has been out so far through camp. He's been kind of on the sideline in a pair of crutches. So no him. Jason White, he is, is, is still around, but still not ready to go. Which leaves on the starting depth chart as of now, Miles McCord and Sean Fresh. Which I think think have zero combined defensive snaps at corner at rice between them yeah well sean fresh is a true freshman so so definitely in his case and miles uh, was knocked miles up was a last year right here yeah he was he, he was basically he hurt right yeah, yeah. I, I don't remember if he got in at all had an arm injury last year let's see saw action in four games on special teams so i think you know m- minimal involvement yeah and like by way of comparison for, you know, talking about guys that if they're not on the depth chart, if, if there's any chance that they're going to they're going to play, they're usually on there. Um, we haven't seen much of Isaac Klarkowski in practice during the fall, but he is still listed as the starting center. Um, yeah. Would... And it, uh, the tiers I'll go with that is there's a so so Jason White is a guy that I, I was just. Uh, talking with somebody today about, you know, his timetable. It doesn't look like it's going to be anytime soon. He's a guy that I have not seen, you know, out on the practice field or out to the side 
working out, but I, I know he's at least still around for the time being. And uh, let's see some other guys. Naeem is a guy who's been doing side drills and such and, you know, has not been out on the practice field. Isaac is a guy who has been on the field, you know, with just a jersey and, and no no helmet or anything. Can't go in and, and run some plays, but he's been available and around. And typically the guys who are, you know, watching and observing and at least you would assume kind of sucking, you know, the mental reps. Mm-hmm. Uh, kind of get it going through the game plan from the side of the practice field. Those are the guys who, if anybody is going to be able to go, those would be the guys. So again, I'll have a, a better update on Isaac. We, we should have a pretty good feel. If he's working with the ones on Thursday, Friday, he'll be out there and yeah. I'll have that for you guys. But that would, that would be honestly huge if, mm-hmm. because otherwise we're probably looking at uh, Isaiah Floyd at guard in his first collegiate game on offense, which he, he's been good, but I yeah. feel better about a proven commodity <laughs> like, like Shay or, or Braden Nutter who, you know, shout out to him making second team uh, on the the right, right side yeah. of the line. He's been one of those guys that has been talked about as has picked up the system and, and is more adept at what he's doing right now uh, than maybe any of the linemen that, that have ever have been recruited to rice uh, under the Bloomgren era, he's got a lot of shout outs. So I, I do think we see him a, at some point. He's going to be the guy on the interior if if there's some more nicks and bruises. So that's a plus at least. Yeah. Um, other than that, I don't think there's other than all of the things we've already discussed. I don't think there's a lot of surprises here. Um, Mike Collins, obviously, is this list is the starter with Giovanni as the backup. Uh, Kalen Griffin is this listed as the second team running back, which I think we all expected. I did think it was interesting that Jack Bradley was listed first team uh, Y tight end over Jordan Myers, but we know Jordan's status with this team. We know that he's going to have a role. We know he's going to do a whole lot of different things. So yeah, and, and, and as much as they rotate tight ends, like he's he's going to have a role. So that I I don't read much into that. And then I. You know, I'm not going to go and, and telegraph, you know, this is this is what formation they're lining up in in, in the red zone practice for for middle middle. I'm I'm not going to convey that information out to the masses, but uh, I, I will say and, and this doesn't take much deducing, although we will have an aside for what Rick Stockstill thinks of this roster in a second. That was interesting. <laughs> uh, come from yeah, we'll get way. there. Uh, but but from what I've seen, especially if, if Austin Trammell, Jake Bailey and August Pete. Those are your three healthy wide receivers that you really feel good about. Austin Conrad's been in the mix too, but if you you have four wide receivers that you're really going to trust, uh, and then after that it's basically freshmen who who haven't played, right. then you're going to have a lot of two tight end sets, and that's uh, that's yeah, just yeah. the reality of how this is going to look like. So Jack Bradley is is probably going to be the guy who who lines up in line, yeah, most of the time. I, I've, I, I think you could probably see them both on the same side of the formations, but they're going to do a lot of creative things with them. So, yeah, it's it, Bradley's list of the starter. I think you're right that Carter, that it's going to kind of be a it's going to be a lot of two tight ends and a lot of running yeah. the football. Um, and I, I wouldn't be surprised to see. And, and, you know, I'm not a practice, so I'm not I'm not seeing what they're doing. And I, I'll be one of the things I'm most interested to see this season is what really does the offense look like from a perspective of, you know, we talked plenty last season about that. They kind of shifted more to this 11 personnel spread stuff that Tom Stewart was comfortable with that, um, 
that Jerry Mack knew how to call. So I, I don't doubt that there will still be some of that. And then, you know, it's it's a question of how much do you have the, you know, classic two, three tight end fullback stuff that Bloom likes to do. I wouldn't be surprised if when they're in some of the 11 personnel spread stuff that it's not actually 11 personnel. It's you've got, you know, Jack as the inline tight end and then your third wide receiver is Jordan just because of how how thin they are at actual wide receiver that you'd see one of the tight ends functional that it's it's technically 12 personnel but from a formational and play calling standpoint it's essentially 11 personnel spread stuff and they're just using a tight end because they they don't have the depth of wide receiver right now yeah and you could see i mean we saw i think we saw it on a, a little bit of red zone last year somebody like robert french uh one of the bigger tight ends especially yeah. if you're down close to the goal line you put him on the outside and you slide jake bailey over the slot something like that so you're <laughs> you know, when you when you're low on pieces, you you find out how creative your offensive play caller can be. And uh, I think we've seen enough from, from Jerry Mack to know that, you know, he has some options. And so I think we'll see a couple of different things, which are probably better for this offensive success uh, just to begin with. Like they're but, probably going to play more different tight ends on offense on Saturday than they are wide receivers. I, right? I think that's a slam. Dunk. Yeah, I yeah. think especially how thin. I mean, Jake Bailey barely got on the field last year. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, Zane Knipe is, is nicked up. We, I've seen a little bit of Andrew Mason. He's been kind of in and out. I don't know if he'll get back into the game. I, I would love to see him. But uh, yeah. other than that, I don't, I don't know if you're turning to another true freshman out of the gate. I, Not listen, ideal. We'll, Not we'll ideal. see. I mean, hey, there's been some, some true freshmen <laughs> in camp that by necessity have been looking pretty good. Yeah against true freshman corners so you what do you know we don't know we're we're about to find <laughs> out but which brings us back we i think that's the the major depth chart pieces the one thing i right. wanted to hit on and so it, it, for you know peel behind the the curtain peek behind the curtain peel behind the onion if you will <laughs> so every every team in conference USA, and this is pretty common nationally, has a a midweek media session of sorts with with local media, and they'll usually invite broadcasters and people covering the game, and just kind of to ask questions and kind of get a a flavor for what's going on with the team that that week. So with with middle, I got the invitation to, and it's it's great now because everything is a Zoom call, right? Most of these were recorded and, and distributed somehow, but now it's on a Zoom call which we're all way too familiar with. So Rick Stockstill, the head coach of Middle Tennessee, opens up his his Zoom press conference talking about the Rice game. And people are talking, asking, you know, you know, what's it going to be like facing this Rice team compared to last year? And he opens up and says, you know, uh, you, really what we got to do is we got to make sure we shut down Bradley Rosner because he was fantastic, did so much against us last year. And he's just really a, pro a problem on offense. So we need to make sure that we're we're paying extra close attention. This is paraphrasing, but basically what he's saying is we got to make sure Rosner doesn't beat us. He added that they went back to film and, and watch the game tape from last year of what Ros was able to do. And that's kind of, you know, what they've been doing to make sure that they're ready for this game. And that was how he opened his press conference. Well, well, Rick, I have good news and bad news. Uh, the good news is that Brad Rosner is not going to be a problem for you on Saturday. The bad news is... Um, you may want to do a little bit closer of a scouting look. Just, you know, some some basic fact checking here. 
Yeah. So first off, I don't I don't know how you get to the the opening press conference of <laughs> the week of your opponent and you don't know that they're the big biggest play wide receiver. I don't know if it's fair to call him best. Austin Trammell's probably always yeah. been the best wide receiver. But the the big play guy downfield is, is not in. I feel like that's something you should know. And Stockstill apparently did not know it. So and as as you mentioned, you know, so August Pete is is six two and basketball guy can can jump out of the gym, but not quite the same physical rebounder that that Rosner is. Yeah. And, he, and really, he grew to be because he was kind of a lankier guy, too. But I can I can guarantee you right now, Rice's offensive game plan is not going to be. Let's just throw jump balls to August Pete in the red zone all game, <laughs> which is basically what it was against Middle Tennessee with Rosner. Yeah. And it works. And well, I mean, we can get to this is it, it might be a nice segue into looking at the rice offense uh, versus the the middle defense. But they might want to do some of that if they get a look, if they get a matchup they like, if they feel good about uh, what August can do against whoever he's matched up against, because my main takeaway in 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 looking at uh, MTSU's defense today is that they are real aggressive. This is not a. Uh, this is not a drop everybody and rally to the ball offense. This is. I watched like a compressed version of their their game against FIU earlier today, and. Every defensive snap, it seemed like they had five, six, seven guys all up on the line or in the box. And, you know, it's you know, it's pretty common. You know, you watch a lot of college football these days. You see. Defenses show all these looks where they bring guys up to the line and then at the snap, they drop one of those two, one of those one or two of those guys back. Right. So it, mm-hmm. it, it looks like it's going to be an all out blitz. Looks like it's going to be five or six guys. And then it ends up being four or five. I, I don't know if I saw <laughs> I don't know if I saw them drop any guys out of those looks. They they brought that every time they looked like they were bringing the house. They brought the house. So if, if if you have some of those little, you know, those quick fades where you just you you get the snap and you throw the ball up for a jump ball and you trust your guy to go get it. If you feel good about that matchup, this is a good defense to to throw that one against because you're not going to get a whole t- whole lot of time to throw and you're going to get some one on one matchups here. Yeah, absolutely. And and I, I, I joked on on Twitter after this what, what Rice needs to do. And I'm I'm. You know, you know, it's been a, a tough year for Middle Tennessee. So things aren't, you know, running as well as they uh, they have. But uh, hopefully for Middle Tennessee's sake, they figure out that Rosner is not playing before Saturday. <laughs> I, I, I say that's probably going to happen. But what needs to happen, uh, freshman tight end Nate Camper, he is six feet, six, six, two twenty. He, you know, kind of has a build and, and looks Roz Roz like they need to just put him put him out, you know, number two. And and line him outside on the first snap, yep. and then just make Middle Tennessee think about it. <laughs> then they're like, "Wait, he what? We thought he wasn't in, or we thought he was in, and then he wasn't, and now he's lined up against us." Like this guy changed his name. There's well, you could put Rosner. That's on the not back. how you spell Rosner. <laughs> it's I, I I believe in, in I saw Louisiana is uh, uh, changing the names on the the back plate of this is not Conference USA related, but they're coming in to play UIB. Changing the backplate on all of their names to honor an assistant coach who who passed yeah. away earlier this year, which is which is sad, but a really cool gesture. But is a reminder that the whatever you put on the back of a jersey 
is is fungible. So we, you just, could put just, Rosner. Just, just put Rosner on the back of, you know, because if you just put it on his jersey, you know, I don't know, maybe they have some claim that that's unfair or that's deception or whatever. Put Rosner on the back of everyone's jersey. <laughs> this is this is our alternative game plans. If If plan A doesn't work, Jerry Mack. We're here. Yeah, the the camper but, deception. <laughs> please, please let Plan A work. A classic work, offensive eh? strategy. Yeah, maybe we'll get there. So that's uh, I think that that that's uh, brings us good transition. Of course, we first half of the podcast we kind of had more uh, maybe rice news that we were uh, needed to get to, but we do want to kind of shift gears a little bit and, and talk uh, about Middle Tennessee and and what task Rice has uh, ahead of them. Uh, they are. Coming into this game at one and five, which uh, not great. One and three in Conference yeah. USA beat FIU and got almost run out of gym by North Texas, except for the fact that North Texas can't play defense. Uh, so this is, you know, I, in much of the ways when I was kind of looking at this team and kind of, you know, working with and if, if you picked up a copy of the season preview or worked a lot with um, guys who were on the beat and cover this team and kind of the, the sense that I got from, from, from them and, and from looking a bit deeper at these guys was, you know, last year, this was hero ball. This was, you have Asher O'Hara quarterback on offense who can run the ball, who can throw the ball, who can do everything. And, and you had nothing else. Uh, basically, and, and the defense last year, they, they were kind of in the right situation where I feel like I don't remember what the official stat was, but I think they had more games lost uh, by uh, starting players or uh, well, by the time they, they, they played Rice, they'd had like 26 players on defense out for the season or something oh, like that. They, they were as beat up against as Rice was last year. So, and, and you know, and the hope was with Rice, as they struggled last year, you're like, you can see the pieces. They put it together. We we kind of feel comfortable, sans injuries, that, that Rice has, has made those adjustments they need to and improved on personnel. But watching the first half of Middle Tennessee season, it feels kind of the same. Very yeah. much so the same. So, like, if you tally up the numbers, um, they have 212 rushing attempts on the season. Subtract the 16 sacks for silly NCAA counting reasons. Uh, so that's 196 <laughs> designed rush attempts or scrambles and subtract the times O'Hara has been sacked. He accounts for 102 of their 196 rush attempts plus 188 of their 210 pass attempts. This is, this is the Asher O'Hara show. And yeah. And, and the reason that he's not all of those pass attempts is that he got benched in the first two games of the season because yeah. he was playing so poorly. Yeah, it's uh, it's not been a great season for him. Which um, I believe the OC came out after the fact, after the sec the Troy game. They, so lost first first game 42 to nothing to Army and then 47 to 14 to Troy. OC came out after the Troy game and said, you know, I probably shouldn't have benched him. That's on me. But it happened. Yeah. So it's it's kind of slim pickings. And if we want to hit the rest on on the offense, I, I think the other guy and this is the part that I'm I'm probably most confident in is 
Shaton Mobley is their running back junior. We just went over 100 100 yards for the first time in his career last weekend against North Texas, at least on the ground uh, rushing. He's up to 156 yards uh, against uh, in total for against North Texas. So a good day for him. But that's been the part, and especially with Rice returning, basically they, their front seven is the healthy part of the team. I I don't think Rice is going to have any trouble with with shutting him down and, and keeping him quiet. They were able to stop Middle Tennessee's rushing game last year and for the most part, you know, uh, control o- O'Hara himself. So that part of the offense versus defense matchup, I feel I feel really good about. Yeah, and it's. It's interesting. My impression was that their offensive line is not great. Like it seemed on their running plays that when they went up the middle, they didn't get a whole like there wasn't a whole lot there. Most of the production seemed to come when they either got uh, Mobley or McDonald, I think, are the two main running backs when they either got them to the outside or when it was O'Hara on zone read looks or off scrambles. So most of their their rushing production has really come on the outside as opposed to up the middle. Um, so I, I feel pretty confident then that Rice can stop the inside run game. But this is probably going to be a big game for the linebackers, which, you know, great time to have as good a linebackers as Rice does. But uh, yeah, it's it, you're, you're going to need to be really disciplined here in terms of First of all, I, I think number one goal is keep O'Hara in the pocket because he is not a real classic drop back passer. Um, they tend to mostly do either quick screens or downfield shots off play action, or he tries to make something happen on the run. So if you can keep him contained in the pocket, I think that works very well because then he can't hurt you with his legs as well. Um, but he's going to break that sometimes. You're going to get them trying to get these running backs going on the outside. So it's going to be a big game for the linebackers, both in terms of pursuit to the edges to keep that outside run from hurting you and to keep O'Hara himself in check. And I think if, if this is a game where blaze Aldridge has like 15 tackles in like four and a half for loss, like if you give me that stat line for him, then I'm going to feel really good about how the rice defense performed. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, which we've talked about this offseason, one of the things with this defense in the front seven has been they were able to get some pressure in it, you know, ended up blaze racked up, you know, 20 plus tackles for a loss. That was that was really nice last year, but but not able to finish the job and and get sacks. And I don't even think against O'Hara, especially with him on the move, that that sacks are as important. But what he's shown so far this season is that he really hasn't progressed to where you would hope he would a- as a passer when it comes to decision maker making when he is pressured and there are guys in his face it's immediately looked down to run and if that's not there he has made a lot of poor decisions through the air mm-hmm. as a passer and thrown a lot of interceptions and yeah, so that's he's, something he's nine that, touchdowns and eight interceptions on the season yeah and and there are you forgive quarterbacks for throwing interceptions on moments where you're like trying to make a play, doing a little bit too much. Like there's sometimes we're like, yeah, you probably shouldn't have thrown that, but you know, I, you could also be like, Oh no, no, no. Yes. Like that, that those plays exist. But a lot of these have been like, you just eyeballed the middle of the field, got, got flustered and just hit a linebacker in the face. 
So like if 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 there's a scenario where, you know, Blaze gets pressure off the edge, like O'Hara could do something foolish and throw across the middle to, you know, Treshawn Chamberlain, hopefully, or yeah. whoever's standing in the middle. So I I I if if Rice can keep him there and get pressure and, you know, I feel like if, if the secondary doesn't get healthy, we're going to be saying that a lot this season. Uh, if the front seven can do their job, it can disguise a lot of deficiencies uh, on the back end. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like he's not really a naturally accurate passer. He's completing 60, 63.8% of his passes, which in today's game is a pretty pedestrian mark. Um, his 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 throwing motion is kind of like shot putty. So he tends to like like balls will either sail on them and also he doesn't generate a lot of power with that motion so when he throws downfield they'll they they'll kind of turn into ducks sometimes so and when you combine that with like i don't know when he breaks the pocket and has room like they can kind of get into that scramble drill type of stuff and if he gets a guy open which is certainly a worry against rice with these you know you're running the the guys who should have been like the third teamers out there at corner, like I will not be surprised if he hit some of those plays, but uh, no, you're exactly right. That like when he's actually under pressure, not just like breaks the pocket and rolls to his right or whatever, if he, if he finds a guy open before scrambling, but when he's actually under pressure, like with a guy bearing down on him. Uh, yeah, he's, he's, he throws into triple coverage. He'll try to throw in the middle of the field with, you know, a linebacker and a safety in between him and the receiver, so it you can very much force him into bad decisions if you're if you're getting in his face and pushing him out of his comfort zone. So if if the front seven can have a really solid game and again, thankfully, this front seven seems to be the only part of this team that's mostly healthy, um, then I think uh, you don't feel good about the secondary for this game. And, you know, until we see some of these guys back, you won't feel good about them. But. This is a game where the front seven can make up for that. Like there'll be some teams that if the secondary is still in this situation, when we get to them, that you're just going to be like, well, I hope the offense can score because these guys are really good at throwing the ball. That's, that's not the, O'Hara can make some plays and like, he's not like a really, really fast runner or like a, a super powerful guy, but he's really like, elusive and he's got great vision and really like slippery like he'll pull a lot of spin moves and he'll 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 juke you like he's a very like savvy runner i think is the way i would describe it so like he can definitely make some plays and if you give him an open receiver when he's scrambling out to the side or whatever like he'll make a play but this is a game where i think the front seven if they have a good game can really make up for the, that lack of experience in the secondary. Yeah, absolutely. And and, and it, it would be worth, we need to at least remember that last year, really, North, North Texas, uh, Middle Tennessee, really had one big play uh, against Rice uh, to to Lee was their big uh, playmaking, you know, quick wide receiver. And it was, it was a slant. You know, Ty Lee, he, he yeah. kind of took it, and I, I think it might have been actually Devones who got tripped up uh, on the play, kind of fell down, and he just took it to the house. So if you can get pressure, keep everybody in front of you, you're going to get home enough, I think, to to cause some mistakes. And whether or mm-hmm. not that's interceptions or fumbles or 
man, what if just hypothetically you got him into second and long, you forced a good stop, and then you put your defense in a great place on third down and you got off the field? That would be a great, like, <laughs> honestly, fantastic. like getting getting to the point where you can make him force him to make bad throws on third down would be a step in the right direction for this defense. And that's something we need to see. Yeah. And, and this will be a game where I would love to see. Like, I know it is not the the style and system that Brian Smith come from to play a lot of soft coverage. But one, I expect that, you know, he's a smart guy. Like he realizes the situation he's in with these corners, right? you're going to play a little softer than you probably would otherwise just with the situation in the secondary. But I think this is a game where that is just a really good strategy in general, because if you just keep things in front, one, you want to have your eyes on the quarterback with this guy regardless, because he's going to run a ton and you want to make sure that he's not busting big ones against you because everybody's got their back turned to man coverage. But if you, you know, cover up the spaces, if, if you, make sure that guys aren't getting loose and you, your front is getting pressure on this guy, he's going to make some bad decisions. And if you have your, you know, if you have Trishon Chamberlain out there, you know, you have guys patrolling the middle of the field and, you know, we talk all the time, pretty Calderon led the team in interceptions his freshman year. Like you've got some ball hawks back there that if you can force this guy into a bad decision and everybody's got their eyes on him, you can pick him off all day. Like I, there's absolutely a scenario when, where rice pressures and flusters him into to two or three picks. Yeah. And I will say that because of, in part with all of the injuries and, and what we've seen, like I've seen Gabe Taylor working a little bit with the first team and, and play Wyatt uh, uh, to a little bit of a lesser extent in the secondary. But, but Gabe was the guy who we've, we've talked about before. I lost track of just pick six after pick six after pick six. This guy was a, a turnover <laughs> machine in, in, in his senior year of high school. So, you know, like, would I be shocked if it, it gets to the, you know, second quarter and we've had a couple drives and, you know, we need to spell somebody for a series here, or there, and, and he's on the field and he makes a play like, it would be very, very on brand if the first interception of the year uh, comes from a, a Taylor. I'd be OK with that. Yeah. Yeah. No complaints. So. Uh, anything else on this side of the ball? Uh, I think that that pretty much wraps us wraps it up for, for the offense. And I don't think it's anything like terribly surprising, which is, which yeah. is probably a good thing. It just just comes <laughs> down to execution. Which, you know is what it is. <laughs> we just got, yeah. they got to go do it. Yeah. Uh, so for when rice has the ball, um, you know, I, and I, I talked about this before the, the, the big thing is that they play really aggressive. Um, they play a lot more man than you see. Most CUSA teams play because they're basically bringing the house on every single play, whether it's a run or a pass. So the big thing I think here is that, and, and they've gotten home. Um, just, just set it up and I closed the tab like they have 15 sacks on the season in in six games, which is a pretty good clip. Uh, but you can just tell from kind of looking at the profile of of who's getting those sacks. It kind of tells you what style they are, because they have one defensive lineman with two and a half sacks. And then their other co-sack leaders who also have two and a half are a linebacker and a cornerback. 
So this is not a a four man pass rush that's whipping their guys and and getting to the quarterback all the time. This is a they're throwing everybody in the kitchen sink at you. So you no, you I, need to this this is not a time for for double moves and and long pass plays. This is not a time for slow developing run plays. This is time to get the ball out fast, get aggressively downfield. Um, maybe throw in a little misdirection because defenses that play this aggressively usually can be can be made to fall victim to a little, you know, student body right while the ball carriers go and left that type of thing. <laughs> so I don't think you want a lot of like slow developing run plays here. Like I would worry about running a lot of gap runs like power and counter where you're kind of you're you know, you're pulling a lineman and you're kind of leaving a space where he was because they're going to bring so many. I mean, they're 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 like run blitzing on every play. Even it's like this is not just against the pass. So like if you leave a gap for somebody to get through, they're sending so many guys that somebody is going to. So get aggressively downhill, like like give us some inside zone. Give me those ISO plays where you have the fullback insert and, and he's got a design guy to block on that play. Uh, quick throws, RPOs, those sorts of things. Like you want this to happen fast on offense because they're not going to give you a lot of time. And the good thing is that if you can execute well on those quick plays, there's going to be a whole lot of grass. Yeah. Like I show me Kalen Griffin taking a screen to the house or, or even just taking an inside handoff to the house. Like he absolutely could do that in this game because if you get past that first wave of defenders and there's going to be a lot of them that's the thing about playing aggressive defense like you can get burned and this and aggressive have. defense has gotten burned a lot, a lot. already this year <laughs> yeah and so we, we laugh but i think it's also so you were talking about their their ability to get in the backfield right but if you just look at their leading tacklers and so you can tell a lot about how capable a defense is from top from top to bottom about who is leading them and tacklers like on on rice's defense for example i can barring injury everybody's healthy it's going to be blaze aldridge and antonio montero the line is closing their gaps they're putting everybody where they need to be and the linebackers are coming in and basically doing mop-up duty if they can't get brought down at the line of scrimmage the linebackers are that next next guy up Mm -hmm. if it's a, a defensive line guy that's that's getting a lot of tackles then they're a home record. They are the the, 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 the cream of the crop. That is yeah. not something you see often. If you're getting to the secondary, and this is where it gets interesting, because two of Middle Tennessee's top three tacklers uh, are actually in the secondary. And and what, what that means is that the opposing offense has gotten past your first level, the line, past the second level, the linebackers, and they're getting to the third level before anybody is bringing them down. So uh, blank read it. Reed Blankenship is probably one of their senior leaders, free safety. He he, he is tied for for second uh, on on tackles with linebacker DQ Thomas, and then their their leading tackler is Greg Great, their strong safety, which you know strong safety a little bit closer to the line, closer to the linebacker than the free safety. But to have both of your safeties on top of your your tackle, that, the, the safeties play higher than the corners. They are the last line of defense. So if they're leading you in tackles, you have a problem. Yeah, <laughs> Middle Tennessee has a a problem. It's a cup. You know, there are certain schemes where, like, if you have a really good safe, like 
the the Pat Narduzzi, Mark D'Antonio type of scheme where they play they play a lot of quarters coverage and those safeties are going to sit flat footed and they're just going to the moment they see run action, they're just going to fly downhill on that. And if you've got good safeties in those systems, they'll lead you in tackles sometimes. Like, it's not surprising to see some of those guys, but. But to, not all of your safeties. Yeah, to have two of your top three tacklers be your safeties and uh, their fourth leading tacker tackler is DeCorian Patterson, the cornerback I mentioned before with the two and a half sacks. So you really don't want to have three of your top four tacklers be defensive. Like safeties are one thing. Both safeties is probably a bad thing. Having a corner among your top four leading tacklers, not great. Not that that says guys are getting a little deeper than they should. Probably a lot deeper. Yeah, and and you're talking about a defense here that is giving up 37.7 points per game. And, you know, it's it's not like these guys have, have been playing murderer's row. Like, remember, with with all a bunch of the paycheck games got canceled. So this is not Middle Tennessee versus Michigan or, or like that. This is giving up 47 to Troy, giving up 52 to North Texas, 37 to UTSA which I, I think they had to go through two, maybe three quarterbacks in that game and, yeah. and losing to UTSA's UTSA. quarterback room is a trauma ward. Like, right. It's been rice in years past and our hearts go out to them because that is, that is hard. But, yeah. but yeah, like this defense is not great. And once rice got things going last year, averaged average 20 points a game in conference play. And that kind of ticked up as the offense got more efficient and that was through changing different quarterbacks and running backs who were healthy and, and going through all that. You know, you, for the most part, the quarterbacks and running backs have been and the line, actually. So we, we, we joked and said, you know, Rice is not very healthy. I think they're they're very thin on the extremities, the wide receivers, the corners, the secondary, uh, you know, in the trenches, offensive line, defensive line, front seven running back. We're pretty good. So at that point, you know, this is Rice's strong suit. Uh, should be able to kind of push these guys around. And if you have those multi-tight ends, that's like we're talking about move people out of the way. I don't think there's really anybody on the front seven in particular uh, of this defense that, that scares you in a way that, you know, a blaze Aldridge would. So, yeah, I, I don't know. That was about all I had for the, for the, for that matchup. Yeah. And I, I think just kind of tying a bow on it, you know, you start the season and, you think you're starting the season against Marshall and <laughs> you replace it with middle Tennessee who, you know, beat FIU and we don't really think FIU is very good either. You know, this is a game that with all of the adversity, I'm not going to say that they have to win it because we just, we don't know what the secondary is going to be like. And if, yeah. And if, if you if we if you told me that Rice's secondary was mostly intact, and that's where it gets difficult, because you told me we're missing, we're down a linebacker, a defensive end, a corner, and say like if it were spread out, I'd be like, man, that's yeah. a bummer. But you can kind of piece like losing your first and second team, <laughs> like at any right. position, that's that's hard. And I really do think that the, the secondary has been hit very very much so harder than we could have ever really anticipated. So this is a game that you should be able to score especially with how we think Mike Collins has grasped the offense and how good he's looked 
in spring and fall camp. And you should be able to, you know, get some pressure on Astro Harrow and make him make mistakes. And if you can do those two things, yeah, I think there's going to be some hiccups in the secondary, especially if we're playing so many young guys. But I think what Rice should do, and I think they will do well, should be enough to to counterbalance some right. of the concerns we have on the outside. That's, that's what I hope. That's what I think. I, f- I still feel pretty good. FPI says 90%. I don't know if I'm not quite that <laughs> Yeah, no. But, uh, you know, Rice is at home. They've been waiting, working for this for however many weeks. And, you know, apparently Coach Stocksville at Middle Tennessee is not looking at the right game film. <laughs> so, <laughs> and I will say, this is an aside, but so North Texas last week went ahead with Austin on at, at quarterback and then made the switch to Jason Bean, who who's a, a very different style of QB and middle Tennessee had no clue. Like it, it really looked like middle Tennessee was ready for on and had mostly figured him out. But when the backup came in, just no clue how to defend Jason Bean and what he brought to the table. And so <laughs> I'm not saying that's a template that they're not going to figure out that Rosner's on the field and that's not how rice is going <laughs> to attack them this year. But watching that last game against North Texas, I'm just, I'm, I don't know how much confident I have in that that coaching staff to put together the right game plan. Yeah, it's and and especially because, you know, we've talked about this plenty. It's it's hard to know exactly what the fact that this is Rice's first game and MTSU's seventh. <laughs> um, it's hard to know who that benefits because MTSU has actual yes. game experience and has played, you know. They're used to like the speed of things at this point. And this is Rice's first actual game. Like this is this is it's different than practice. Like even if you're going full speed, full tackling in a scrimmage, it's just different when it's a real game. But this is a matchup where I feel like the lack of game tape on this version of this Rice team is going to be an asset. Like the fact that. MTSU won't know quite what to game plan for. I think that helps Rice to a certain extent. I, I don't know whether that that fact of the, the difference in games played overall benefits one team over the other, but maybe more so than other times, the the lack of game film on Rice is a big advantage in their favor. I would I would think so. And as far as starting the season, you know, we saw this is the third season opener uh, of the Bloom Granera, right? So we had the Prairie View game where you're rolling out Sean Stankavage, who had I think he'd thrown one collegiate pass at Vanderbilt. Maybe. Like, yeah. Not, not a much. seasoned guy. And that's after sitting for, for three years. It's not like this guy came out of high school, was really good, and then went to college. He was kind of sitting cold and off the bench. And it stank did like I'm very appreciative of what he did and able to pull this program from and coming yeah. back from like getting really beat up and, and returning for the end of the season to save Wiley's retro. That was great. Uh, but the Prairie View game, that was very messy. Like Rice just had a lot of kinks to work out. New coaching staff, new scheme, new everything. Mm-hmm. The second year against Army, you know, there was some some rust. You know, I think Wiley was a bit anxious and not playing at his best on, on offense, but defense was was lights out was phenomenal and and i think you you had some good moments uh from some guys like like austin trammell 
And uh, one of the Walter brothers, Austin Walter, or no, Aston Walter, had a pretty good game on the ground. So I, I, I feel pretty confident just watching that progression. I don't think Rice is going to come out and, and have everything answered, but I feel pretty confident in saying there's going to be some mistakes, but I, I think they're going to be closer to how ready they were for Army than they were the Prairie View game. Yeah. And Walt Rice has a, finally has a starting quarterback who was around all offseason. Yeah. So Wiley Green's your third stringer. And there's yeah. there's a lot of Conference USA teams that would take Wiley Green. Shoot, you could call UTSA in a week and they say, could we please? <laughs> yeah. And they saw him throw the pick six that basically gave them the game. And they would probably still say, please. No, you can't have him. And hey, if we're looking for a little quarterback switch mid-game because we think that uh, <laughs> that is something MTSU is particularly weak to, not that we want to, to permanently switch quarterbacks, but you know, if you want to get Giovanni in there a little bit and run a little, run a little zone read with him and uh, and Kalen or Juma, yeah, that's uh, guys with that kind of speed against this this kind of defense. Like, I wouldn't hate it. Hey, let's see Mike we- Mike's wheels on the field. I think everybody's gonna be surprised. <laughs> yeah. So we'll see. It's a uh, <laughs> it's game week. When by the time you hear this podcast, I'm I'm fingers crossing and I'm you know. Praying and clutching rabbit rabbit feet, as as Boom said, I think in a, a call earlier this week that that we get to this point. But you know, Rice has done everything to get this to get to this game and 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 be ready, and they're, they're willing to go in and play with you know bumps and bruises and everything else. So I'm just I'm grateful that we are here, yeah. and that uh, you know, hopefully that we get to uh, watch a football game on Saturday. But uh, regardless, we will be back next week to hopefully break down the game and how that transpired and uh, look ahead till next week because there are no buys in this season. So it's full steam ahead to yep. football time. Well, all right. Uh, that's going to do us for, for us this week. Um, uh, it's still kind of hard for me to believe that we we're we're actually looking forward to a game on Saturday. But but here we are. We're excited. We know y'all are excited, too. So uh, we can't wait for Saturday and rice fight. This show was edited and produced by Carter Spires. It features music from Joseph McDade.